Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers is being lowered. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, guys? You are listening to Nickish. You got your boys Mo, Nafi, and Faiz here on this Tuesday, October 11, 2022 edition of the show. Uh, before we bring in our guests, wanted to direct your attention to our website, nick-ish.com, and let you guys know that our preseason sale is going on live for another week. So take advantage and cop yourself a Nickish hoodie and snapback today and wear it to your next Knicks game. Uh, now bring in my partner, Nafi. What's going on, man? How you feeling tonight? Oh, good man, excited, bro. First, first guest of the season, first guest of season five, and it's uh, it's a big one, you know. So happy to get it started. How you doing, Faiz? We're not supposed to feel great, man. We have this awesome guest for you guys. Um, I'm I'm just really excited to. Like, I can't even contain myself. I, I'm just excited to get into the episode. Like, yeah. So our guest for today's episode is for what we're going to bring in as our quote unquote guest of the month. It's a new part of Nickish that we'll be doing, as you guessed it, every month. We're going to scour everywhere and bring in some of the biggest Knicks fans that we can find onto our podcast. And our guest today is one of the biggest. He has tens of thousands of subscribers on YouTube as, and has one of the most dynamic post-game shows that you can find. Uh, a man who graciously welcomed us to the MBK family, the podfather himself, ladies and gentlemen, Simeon Russell. Mo, Nafi, Faiz, I appreciate you guys, man. Thank you for inviting me on. Uh, I'm always honored to come on and talk. Knicks with you, man. So I, I really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Yeah, we really thank you for like you know making the time for us, and it's an honor for us as always. You know, you know it, it's been a minute too, so we figured yeah. like why not kind of appropriately bring you on for a season preview kind of episode. You know, dig into uh, our uh, predictions and hopes for the season. You know, and um, with preseason in full swing, if we want to get right into it, you know, done with the pleasantries. And you being a coach and from kind of that unique perspective, you know, we, us trio here, we consider ourselves non-experts, but from a coach's perspective, I guess, what have you seen so far in the preseason that's really caught your eye, you know, like a couple things or maybe just one big thing that stood out so far. Cause you know, there's a lot of topics that are Knicks fans, like, you know, are getting heated over, are getting crazy over, but like from mm-hmm. your perspective, what's what stuck out so far? Uh, you know, what's sticking out for me right now is the pace of play. I was just at the, Nick's open practice. And one of the things that I noticed is when they were doing uh, full courts, five on five scrimmaging, they had the shot clock set at 14, Mm. right? Which means they were trying to score in 14 seconds or less, right? Mm. And just before uh, they went into five on five scrimmaging, it was all fast break drills, right? Shell fast break drills, shell drills are like, you know, without defense there. So they were doing, I'm sure everyone heard of a three-man weave. They were doing a five-man weave, five-man weave leading into a layup or a dunk. And then they'd come back and they would would uh, run their fast break set, right? And they'd go up and down a few times and then another five would go. Same thing, start off with a five-man weave going to their fast break sets. And then a third five would go, five-man weave going to their fast break sets. You know, and then that led into them going full court, five-on-five scrimmaging. Uh, scoring in less than 14 seconds. So it's not just talk, right? It's not just hyperbole. We want to play faster. 
you know, uh, we want to score score more points by playing faster and, and this and that. They're actually working on it. You know, and, and, mm-hmm. and I think in previous years, we heard Tom Thibodeau say we need to play faster, but they never ended up playing faster, right? So I think there were people who were questioning whether or not the Knicks were actually working on it in practice. And what I seen at the open practice, they were definitely working on uh, playing faster. So that's the first thing that really stuck out to me is the emphasis on playing with pace, uh, playing faster, you know, and, and utilizing what I think this team has in Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett. He can get up the floor and go downhill. Julius Randle, when he goes downhill and he gets to catches the ball on the move, very hard to stop. You have athleticism from Mitchell Robinson in that starting lineup. Evan Fournier can shoot the ball, so it helps to spread the floor, opening up the lanes for guys to run. And then, of course, you know, the second unit with OB and Quick, uh, Grimes or Cam Reddish, however that works out, mm. right? Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get into all of that right there. And then you got Hartenstein, who can shoot the three from the center position, which helps to open up those lanes. They have the tools to be able to run. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how it develops throughout the season. So that's one of the big things that really caught my eye. And I think it caught everyone's eye, but I think there's a true emphasis on it. It's not just hyperbole or talk. Uh, I think, I think we all noticed that Julius Randle doesn't have the ball in his hands as much, Mm -hmm. right? Jalen Brunson is really running the show, running the offense, but I think they're still going to have to find time for Julius Randle to play like the Julius Randle from last year or the year before. Not long periods of time, but if he's going to get comfortable out there on the floor, you got to give him those chances to do what he's been doing over the last two or three years. If you look at the last preseason game versus um, who do we play? Pacers. Pacers, yeah. Versus the Pacers, you know, in the first quarter, he had a ton of open threes but he didn't knock him down and he wasn't really hitting shots. But in that second quarter, the end of the second quarter, he got hot because the ball was in his hands and he was playing from a comfort standpoint, you know? Um, So I think you got to find some times later throughout the game to give him two or three possessions where he's kind of running the show, you know, so that he's comfortable that way when he does get those open looks, he can knock it down. So that's one thing I think they're going to have to work out, you know, between, you know, Tom Thibodeau, Brunson and, Julius Randle, I think they're really going to have to work that out. Um, I also believe in that second unit, though, Hartenstein, I think Hartenstein can make a big impact even with the first unit. Not that he's going to start, but, uh, you know, getting some minutes with Randle and those guys up there, I think would help to spread the floor for Randle to really get, go to work under the basket. And if you're going to run some screen and roll with Randle and Brunson, let's say, having Hartenstein out there on the floor to get the big man out on the perimeter is really beneficial, you know, and then in that second unit, I think as time goes on, you're going to see the way that Hartenstein can be used to catch Obi doing, you know, going back door, uh, even, you know, Derek Rose going back door sometimes, Cam Reddish or uh, Quentin Grimes going back door. You know, I've seen little peaks of him being able to catch the ball at the elbow mm-hmm. uh, and then, 
you know, guys kind of circle around him a little bit and him mm. find people. You know, you seen him find a nice pass to McBride. McBride missed the layup, you know, but it was a really, really nice pass. And then before that, you know, he kind of held the ball in the air while guys were circling him around, circling around him. It didn't work at that time, but it's something that I think can really, really develop, you know. Uh, so th those are some things that really caught my eye, you know, what Hartstein can do, uh, the way that Jalen Brunson is controlling the floor and Randall's playing off the ball more, you know, and then the pace of play, the defense has been pretty good, mm. I think, you know, and, and it all starting from the energy standpoint, you know, and, and so I, I like what I've seen so far in preseason. There's a lot that the Knicks still have to unpack. We don't know what Quentin Grimes looks like with the lineup yet. He was healthy at Knicks open practice and he was practicing. So hopefully that means he's going to play tomorrow night or Wednesday. Already ruled out. Mm. Already ruled out. Oh, see that? <laughs> I don't know. You know. I haven't been able to pay attention to any of the news, but hopefully, you know, it's just precautionary measures because he was out there playing, yeah. you know, he was running around. He, he looked healthy, you know, so, you know, hopefully it's just precautionary with Quentin Grimes. I mean, there's a lot to unpack with this team still. For real. <laughs> a lot to unpack. They have a lot of talent on the team. They do have depth, you know, and if they can, you know, just unpack little nuances of the game to exploit matchups, uh, to exploit a person's strength, you know, th th there's a lot that can happen. You know, I'm not saying that the team is going to, you know, be top in the Eastern Conference, but there's a lot that you can see, you know, where this team can grow and how they can develop, I think. I mean, uh, the other guys can chime in here, but like, you know, you touched on the depth and you hit out a lot, you know? So like you said, it's a lot to unpack, but I guess, would you say that depth is one of the concerns for the season? Maybe is it too much depth for Thibodeau, like for Tibbs to juggle the season? Do you see that kind of rearing its ugly head and guys being, you know, mad or pissed about their playing time? You know, I, 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 I can't see where it could be, a problem, a problem, right? You know, sometimes if you have too much depth, like you said, there's guys that deserve to play, but you can't play everybody. Mm -hmm. But I kind of feel like it's more of a problem for the fans than it is for Tom Thibodeau. I think Tom Thibodeau is going to figure out his 10, and that's who he's going with. And if you're not in that 10, you're not in that 10. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to feel bad about it at all. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think it's fair to say that this team might be the best collection of talent that's been on a Knicks roster for in, in 10 years. If you think about yeah. it, you, even, you know, going back two years, when you add Brunson, when you add Hartenstein, they have all these unique talents that the Knicks just haven't had ever. And then you combine Obi with hopefully increased minutes. You got IQ leveling up. This is, mm -hmm. this is a collection of talent. That's, you know, for us as fans, it's, it's fairly unprecedented. We just don't see all these players that are capable of doing so many different things. So I think the depth is great. Obviously, with Tibbs, you kind of have an expectation of what's going to happen, and you kind of just have to accept that that kind of fact that the, the minute distribution isn't going to be uh, to every fan's liking. But I think I, I, I like to be optimistic and think he's going to go about it the right way. Obviously, Randall, for me, is a concern. So mm -hmm. how, how do you feel about Randall? particularly coming into the season, especially when you look back at last season, how he was for me, you know, I'll just add in this point here. I think when they interviewed him during the open practice, 
he, he used this one word that really stood out to me. It was meditation. Mm. And, uh, you know, Faiz and I were actually there and we, we were lucky to meet their, their, uh, their doctor, <laughs> Dr. Irwin, shout out to mm-hmm. him. He, he told us that, you know, he was trying to input, implement that kind of mindset to the players without directly telling them to accept meditation. He saw D Rose accepting it. He saw a couple other players accepting it. And this was really one of the first times you hear Randall accepting meditation. Mm-hmm. And if that's really the case, and he, if he's accepting, he's expecting the head, the, the headspace kind of mentality and not letting the outside, you know, talk fester in his own mind and affecting his game on and off the court. That could be huge. But what, what are your thoughts on Randall coming to the season? Are you, do you have any sort of concerns that are lingering from last season or you're feeling positive? Uh, I don't, I don't have it. I don't have, well, I have some concerns about the relationship with the fans. Let me say that. I have concerns there. I don't really have concerns about his relationship with the teammates. I think that relationship is stronger than most fans assume, right? Um, With the fans, I think if he comes out and just plays hard, he'll win fans back, in my opinion. You know, especially now that RJ has a contract that he has, Jalen Brunson has the contract. Eyes are now kind of diverted to some other players, right? Because with Randall, it was like, okay, he was the only guy that had this large of a contract on the team, you know, at the point. So it was like, hey, we're looking at you. Now you got all these other guys on the team that are sharing in this responsibility. You know, RJ's getting better. Jalen Brunson is coming in with his, uh, the stature that he's coming in with. So now the responsibility is shared. So I, I do feel that Rand, it's going to be easier for Randall this year. You know what I mean? If you get to a point, he gets to a point in the game where uh, things just aren't going well, it's easier for Tom Thibodeau to take him out this year because you got Jalen Brunson out there mm-hmm. on the floor. Mm-hmm. You got guys that can uh, continue to produce. Last year and the year before, you didn't have anybody. Right. If Randall wasn't right. producing, who were you coming in with? Obi is playing well right now, but last year he wasn't always playing as well. The year before, he definitely wasn't playing as well. Right. So who were you bringing in that was going to be able to produce and help you to win a game, which put a tremendous amount of pressure on Julius Randall, I think. Not to mention he's playing 38 minutes a game or whatever. He's tired. Uh, I didn't like Tibbs' rotations with Randall last year. And, you know, you play him like 12 minutes in the first quarter. You know, by the end of the first quarter, he's already gassed. And then you're bringing him back in with six minutes left in the second quarter. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and then expect him to be able to finish down the stretch. Uh, it, it, he, he, was, he was too tired. He was carrying a lot of the load. You know, people would get upset that, you know, they didn't see him always close out or sometimes take some plays off defensively. But, you know, he carried a lot of load. He had to score the basketball. Sometimes he had to, to you know, defend threes and fours. Uh, you know, so there was a lot of work that Randall had to do out there. This year, I think a lot of that pressure can be taken off of, from off of him, you know, with the emergence of Obi, you know, who I think Tom Thibodeau was gaining trust. You know, I always talk about Tom Thibodeau's circle of trust. Once you get into that circle of trust, you're in it, mm-hmm. right? He's going to trust you. The, the problem is how do you get into that circle of trust? You know what I'm saying? I think Obi is working his way in, which is going to help Randall a lot, you know, and relieve a lot of the pressure from Randall. And then I think he can be fresher throughout the games now because he doesn't always have to, he doesn't have to be the one 
demanding or, or, or uh, bringing in the double or triple team. You know, just think about it. Every single possession down, you have to be the one that gets double teamed. So you got three, two or three guys around you slapping your arms and banging you here, banging you there. Then you got to get the ball out to make the right pass. Uh, you might even have to grab the rebound on a missed shot. On the other side of the floor, you got to grab a rebound on a missed shot. You might have to defend Kawhi or KD or whoever's playing that night. That's a lot. So I think a lot of that pressure is going to be taken off of him this year. Uh, so far in the preseason, I like the rotation that I'm seeing. I'm Tom Thibodeau with Randall. Uh, he's playing on like six or seven minutes in the first quarter. Then he'll get a break for like nine to ten minutes while Obi's playing. And then he'll come back in, you know, with maybe six minutes left in that second quarter. And I think that's good, you know, because he can come in in that second, the end of the second quarter fresh. And then we haven't had a chance to see what it's going to look like down the stretch of games, you know, but if you do that in the first half and you see what happens in the second half, I think you can preserve Randall a little bit, you know. So I'm not concerned about the teammates. I'm a little concerned about, you know, how things go with the fans. I'm also, I'll say, interested in how things begin to work out. If if he goes three, four, five, six possessions without seeing the basketball, how does he react to that? That's what I want to see. Does he keep it in his mind that he's just got to go fight for a rebound or continue to play defense? You know what I mean? Uh, so far in the preseason, and I've been like really, really watching him to see because there have been some times where he didn't see the ball or see a shot for a number of possessions. I was looking to see, well, what's he going to do? So in the game versus the Pacers, right, he missed a couple of shots. He didn't see the ball for a few possessions. Then he came down and he penetrated, and I was like, oh, he's going to take it. But he kicked it out to RJ, which was a good sign for me. You know what I mean? So we'll see, you know, as the season goes on and things start to wear thin a little bit, we'll see if he can continue to keep that, keep that kind of attitude, you know? Yeah, I mean, two of the main things that you mentioned that I feel like were really important are, are the pace and the pressure because last season, the Knicks were literally the, the, the second to last team in terms of pace. So it's real frustrating to watch. And I don't want to like pile on Randall, but a lot of that does come from that half court type of play that we yeah. were playing with Randall, which was real frustrating. But I have to agree when with uh, Jalen Brunson coming in, I feel like the pace is going to be picked up. Hopefully we get to see the young guys who love playing with pace. I, I saw it during the open practice too. They're like running up and down the court and they're young. They got the young lungs, <laughs> young lungs, young legs. They're ready to go, you know, and uh, the, the pressure coming off of Randall, I see it both on the defensive side and on the offensive side where it is nice to see him take those rests and those breaks. Cause uh, you're, you're right. We're asking him to play basically like LeBron. We're asking him to, pass out the ball. We're asking him to bring up the ball. We're asking him to score the ball, defend one of the best players on the other side. So Jalen Brunson, I feel like he, he's, he's one of the best additions we could have made because he, by applying pressure to the defenses on the other side, he can take some pressure off of Randall. So right. Um, right. just to, just to, just to go off of that, I was wondering, what do you think about the, the, the shooting guard position? Cause now, you know, we have Evan Fournier who seems like he's going to be the starter. And I feel like he does, he does play with pace and he does add pressure on the offensive side, but I'm someone who would rather see Grimes. Cause I feel like he would make up for the defensive deficiencies that come with playing Jalen Brunson. Well, mm -hmm. how, how do you feel about that, that going, you know, between uh, Fournier and, and uh, Grimes, our young guy. Yeah. Well, if you notice at the open practice, both guys had on blue jerseys. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, Obi had the blue Jersey too. Right. 
Yeah, both guys had on blue jerseys. And if you if you look at Tom Thibodeau's system, and this, this might be a system throughout the league, but the starters always wear blue. The un, second unit wears white, and then the guys that are in the G League wear green, right? And you kind of know where you are within that pecking order when you come in. If if you if this is your first day on the team and Tom Thibodeau throws you a green jersey, <laughs> right? You don't even need to ask questions. You kind of know what that means already. I got to work my way up. You know what I mean? But when you look at so so when you look at uh Quentin Grimes and Evan Fournier, they both had on blue jerseys, which told me that Thibodeau was looking at the lineup. How does it look with Grimes? How does it look with Evan Fournier? So while Evan Fournier has the upper hand right now, I think that, you know, Tom Thibodeau is really considering or looking to see what it looks like with Grimes. Um, now, as far as what I feel about it, I do think right now Evan Fournier fits with the first unit better. Uh, and here's my reasoning. I know he's not a better defender than Grimes, but he was here last year. Evan Fournier was, and he, and he played in that unit for 70-something games. So he started to develop some chemistry with Randall, with RJ, with Mitch. Like, he was one of the only guards to find Mitch um, sealing off low under the basket last year. So I think it's smart to continue to explore that chemistry and see where it can go, right? You know, if you just insert Quentin Grimes, now you're asking Randall and RJ and those guys to learn his nuances. You know, you got to figure out, okay, where does he like the ball? Uh, you know, how quick does he get his shot off? And what do I have to do when he's getting a shot off? All, the, all of those little things mean something. You know, they started to figure that stuff out with Evan Fournier last year. So I think it's smart to say, let's see, let's explore some more. Let's see where it can go offensively. And if it doesn't look good, you can always put Quentin Grimes in. You know what I mean? Right. So I do think it's uh, smart to continue with that lineup. Plus, Quentin Grimes hasn't played a, didn't play a lot of basketball last year, right? He was in and out of the lineup. Then he got hurt. Um, you know, if, if you're going by what Tibbs says, you know, it's, it's got to be merit-based and, and things like that, then you let him climb the ranks and let him come in the season, um, play, and outplay Fournier mm. and make it where you have to start them. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because still, we haven't seen, for me, you know what Evan Fournier is, right? And 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 everybody in that starting unit knows exactly what Evan Fournier is and what's going to happen when he's on the floor. With Quentin Grimes, I think it's still up in the air. So, you know, he's still figuring out where he fits in in the NBA. Fournier kind of knows it. And when you look at that starting group, they kind of know who they are and where they fit in the NBA too. Grimes is figuring that out. You look at the guys in the second unit quickly, OB, uh, you know, those guys are figuring it out too. You know what I mean? So, you know, they can kind of figure that thing out together. Uh, then, you know, Grimes is a better defender, but we haven't seen a second year where teams understand, okay, he's a good defender, but you know, he drops his foot a little bit too early when he when he when he's rotating. So we need to take advantage of that. You know, and and watching little things that, that he does 
and now strategizing for Quentin Grimes, you know, we'll see what that looks like this year. You know what I mean? And then offensively, I, I think Evan Fournier is probably right now still better offensively than Quentin Grimes, you know? So for me, it's like, let him prove it. You know, he's going to play. You know, he's one of those guys that's in Tibbs' circle of trust, in my opinion. So you know he's going to play. He's going to play a lot of minutes this year. You know, and and I wouldn't be surprised if you've seen him even close some games down the stretch and Evan Fournier's on the bench. You know what I mean? So I think it's good for him to have to earn it, battle through, and then take well, Evan Fournier's spot. You know what I mean? So right now, I'm good with Evan Fournier starting and having Quentin Grimes come off the bench. Uh, I would say, though, by next year, you know, it'll be Quentin Grimes' spot. That's what I would think. You know, let him get some seasoning. You know, play play a number of games in the NBA. Um, you know, and, and I think by next year to be a spot. It's really crazy because I, I I get why they call you the pod father, man. Because you're literally like the voice of reason here. Because we've been having <laughs> we've been having this debate for the last few weeks, and like we're going back and forth. Like I want Fournier, I want Grimes, I want this, and like the way you explained it, I feel like. Nobody it, said I want Fournier. Let's get that clear. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, no, it, it definitely makes sense, though, because flat out, Fournier is the better three-point shooter right now because he can hit every type of three, whether it be on the move, catch and shoot. Mm-hmm. So he does make it a lot more comfortable for the rest of the guys. And you're definitely right where they have a little bit of chemistry. These older guys and RJ and Mitch, you know, th- th- they're figuring it out. And, you know, you're right. Grimes should have to earn his minutes. And uh, what, what you said about Grimes in terms of like he's still figuring it out, I, I think it works with the second unit because we're still seeing a lot of from Grimes in terms of his passing ability and how he can improve on that. And I feel mm-hmm. like he'll get more of those opportunities playing on the bench with guys like Quickly, with guys like Obi, where it's a little bit more free-flowing. And mm-hmm. I like seeing the pace being pushed with that that second unit. And I feel like you're right, Grimes Grimes could add on to that. So you know what? You you, you kind of you, you turned <laughs> me flipped. with the voice of reason. <laughs> with the voice of reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree too. Just because the way I see, at least for the first half of the season, I think Fournier is going to be a starter just because he's coming in basically in midseason form. He just played Euroleague while Quinn exactly. Grimes yeah. is coming off an injury. So I think naturally Fournier would come in as a starter and let Grimes build himself back up. I mean, last season he wasn't getting those minutes. You know, he was barely getting backup minutes or rotation minutes. So for him to suddenly, and I think optics aside, obviously a lot of people think that just because he wasn't included in these Donovan Mitchell trades that he should be an automatic shoe in for, for, for the starting rotation. Right. Obviously I think in the long run, he will be, uh, he will be a better player than Fournier and will be a starting shooting guard. But I think right now, again, at least for the first half, Fournier just makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, Fournier better not get hurt. <laughs> Cause if he gets hurt and Grimes steps in, that might be it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Might take might over that. He might just take it, take it over from him. Yeah. If he steps mm-hmm. in and he starts playing well, and the Knicks are winning basketball games, Tibbs is going to be like, why would I change it? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and you're it? definitely right in terms of, like, he's in Tibbs's inner circle. Like, yeah. Tibbs isn't really that quick to, like, adding on those rookies so quickly. Like, he did it with Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin more out of, like, necessity because we didn't have a lot of players then. Right. But last year, we, we were stocked with veterans, and you still saw him pulling out Quentin Grimes, like, almost on a nightly basis at a point until, unfortunately, he was facing a lot of injuries. Yeah, yeah. Tim, I really do dig what you were saying about kind of like Fournier, like the guys that are used to playing with him. This is going to be the second year playing with him in the starting lineup. And you don't want to introduce another new variable into the equation where we got a big one like that just joined, a.k.a. Jalen Brunson, right? Right. And right. I'm of the opinion that like one of the swing pieces for the season is going to be how much will 
Julius defer to Jalen, just the gravitas that Jalen brings, especially given his playoff performance. Mm-hmm. So what are your expectations for Jalen? And do you have any, I don't want to say concern, but do you think Julius is ready to defer now? And like he sees Jalen as a point guard he never had in his like three years in New York. Yeah, uh, I think that, I think Julius Randle will defer, if, if you want to call it defer, you know, to, to, to Jalen Brunson. Let's say this. I think he'll let him run the show. And I think there's going to be times where Jalen Brunson defers to Julius Randle too. You know what I mean? Times where he's like, you know what? You're hot. You got it. You know what I mean? Or times where, and I think this is the mark of a good point guard and a good leader too. You know, like you can kind of look at a player and, and, and know he, he's itching for a shot. He's itching for a, a one-on-one. Let me get him a one-on-one. You know what I mean? Right. And I think Jalen Brunson is good at that. You know, I, and, and I did see a couple of times in the last game where, you know, you know they, they're figuring some things out. Randall had the ball at the elbow, and I think he was telling Brunson, go down to the corner, go down to the corner, you know, so they can do whatever it is that, um, you know, they, they were doing. So some of those little type of things they're going to be figuring out, you know. But I think that Randall, for the most part, will. You know, um, now when the games get tight, that's where I think, you know, we got to, you know, we got to see how that works out when the games get tight. Um, because I think Randall's been in that role before. So I, I don't think it's new to him now. Sometimes it is hard to put, you know, you, you let the cat out the bag. It's hard to get the cat back in the bag, right? So he was put in the role of being the the star player for the Knicks, you know what I mean? So it might be hard to, to to reel him back in some, but I don't think you have to reel him back in all the way. You know, he still is going to be uh, one of the players that's going to have a lot of gravity and, and attract defense. You know what I mean? You know, he's just too big, strong. He's got speed. He can get to the basket. Teams are going to double him. So there's still going to be times when you need the ball to be in his hands so that they can get a double and they can kick it back out, swing it and, and do whatever they're going to do. Except now, you know, you have a point guard that if he swings it back out to Brunson, he can knock down a three or penetrate to the basket and get it done. You know, so I think that's going to help out a lot. But I think Julius Randle will, uh, you know, defer to Jalen Brunson. But I think sometimes Jalen Brunson is going to defer to Randle mm. too. You know what I mean? Uh, if, if anything, just to make him happy. You know, so that he feels like, okay, you know, I, I still kind of got my role out here. It's us doing it together. You know, uh, I, I was watching during the practice, uh, you know, just trying to look at the guys and how they interact with one another. But they all seem to get along really, really well. You know what I mean? And I seen Brunson and, and Randall when they were in the middle of the court shooting threes uh, from half court. You know, I seen them, you know, together laughing and joking a little bit, you know, but, you know, I'm, watching just watching really closely to see how randall reacts you know because it's easy to do it in the beginning still early it's still early right you got that honeymoon period you know what i mean so it's easy to do it now when it starts to heat up and if you're not winning basketball games or something like that does he say you know what let's go back to what we know randall you know what i mean does he try to do that out there you know so and if that does happen then you could maybe see a struggle between the two and then we got to see, okay, Brunson as a leader, how does he handle that? You know what I mean? Right. But right. That, that will be interesting to watch. But I think for the most part, Julius Randle will defer uh, to Jalen Brunson. 
and allow the two to operate together. Yeah, I mean, Jalen does, like, just given everything we see from his demeanor, cool, calm, collected. He definitely seems like he, quote-unquote, was has been the adult in the room since he was, like, five years old. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And this is more of a kind of less of a nuanced follow-up, but as far as Jalen's individual accolades this season, like, do you think there's a good chance he makes that All-Star game? You know, like, is he going to be in the All-Star game instead of Julius? Will they both be there, or hmm. does it matter at all, I guess, is the... More important question. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I would love to see him or Julius or both of them or three of them with RJ in the All-Star mm, game, right? Yes, sir. Um, and I think it does matter. I know a lot of people always say, oh, it don't matter, you know, just win basketball games. But I think it matters. It matters to players. Mm. You know what I mean? And it matters to their confidence, too. If they set goals, you know, like RJ said, you know, his goal every year is to make the All-Star team. So you want your players to accomplish their goals because, you know, the more confidence they have, the better your team is going to be, you know? So will, will Jalen Brunson make the all-star team? I think it's going to depend on how good the Knicks are. You know, if the Knicks are a top four seed, I think there's a good chance that one or two of our guys makes the playoffs. You know, if the Knicks are somewhere meddling around, you know, the 10th, 8th, 9th, and 10th seed, you know, uh, maybe not, you know, or unless somebody is just like averaging 35 points a game, mm. you know, 35 points, 10 rebounds or 10 assists or something like that, you know, then he's like, oh, we got to get to, you know, he's got to be in there. But I think Jalen Brunson will have the chance, right? I, I think he's going to, he averaged, what, 16 points per game last year, right? So I think Brunson, I think he can have a chance to average in 20 because he's going to be, you know, he averaged 16 without being a primary ball handler. In Dallas, now he's the primary ball handler. So I think he could average 20, 21 points, maybe seven assists per game, a couple of steals. You know, and those are, and if that's efficient and the Knicks are winning, those are all-star caliber numbers. We've seen Fred Van Vliet do it, like literally last season, putting up right. similar numbers. So this yeah. is definitely a chance. You know, so yeah. I, yeah. And, and, and it's going to depend on the Knicks are winning. Yeah, if you have the Knicks fans and the media behind you, like they're just going to will, they're going to will to the all-star game just like that. that. Strongest fan base in the world. So, 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 do you guys? So, do you guys think like, let's say the Knicks are six, you know, hovering around the six seed while while, while we're doing All Star voting? Do you think the fans vote in one of our players? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. If anybody's playing like even half decent and we're we have a winning (laughs) record and it's like All Star ballots are about to close. Yeah. We're gonna just jam our votes in our ballot box, like so right. to speak. Right, right. <laughs> the only Especially... thing is, if, the only thing is, if RJ and and Jalen are both playing really well, the the votes are gonna be split, and they're not. Neither of them are gonna get it. Yeah, mm. yeah. that's the only thing that's gonna happen. That I could predict. Right, because because it's the guard category, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's tough. That's I mean, if the, if he's putting up numbers like what you describe about like twenty seven assists, like those those are numbers to like. Cough at, laugh at, you know, that I feel like that that would warrant an also or not, in my opinion. And we all know the New York market is it's just different. So you've it's been gonna dying for a point them. guard to like rally around, you know, right. like, that, that's part you, of man. that's part of the narrative, you know, first New York point guard since like Stefan Marbury, to be honest, like mm. what Raymond Felton was the best point guard in between then. So but if, <laughs> but if RJ, if RJ goes up to like 25 points per game, it's going to oh. be RJ, oh, yeah, 23 yeah. points per game, even if Brunson's doing 20. The fans are going to rally behind RJ more than Brunson. Yep. Just because yeah. I mean, it's our kid. Yeah. And, you know, RJ's so far, I think, had the most shot attempts in preseason, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Looking good you from know. three. He's been looking fantastic from yeah. three, efficient too. Yeah. Had the most shot attempts. So, you know, and, and, and he's only played 20, 20 minutes or so in each game, you know. Yeah. How do you Comparing do his contract to like Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero just got that contract. RJ's one is looking like a steal right now. Like his contract is looking real good. So I'm yeah. excited for the season. How yeah. do you feel about his shot form from what you see from a coaching standpoint? Does it look, it looks do you, good. can you see the difference? From, I can. I, okay. Yeah, I think it looks good. I think he's more confident shooting it. You know what I mean? Confidence is everything for, for players, man. Everything. Mm-hmm. Me, me and um, Steph, we talk about it with Obi Toppin a lot, just about his confidence. And you hear him mention it a lot. Uh, this preseason, he's mentioned it a lot. But I think RJ's confidence is really rising. Last year, the middle of last year, he decided, he, he kind of decided enough's enough to take over, right? You know, and you could see, you know, he was just being more assertive. You know what I mean? And I think it's rolled over. One, I think it sent the message to Julius that, oh, there's another guy here that has the same confidence and can take over too. To Tom Thibodeau, to everyone. So now it's like, all right, you know, maybe we got to devise some things so that RJ can have the ball in his hands a little bit, which is one of the reasons why I think you see the rotation has been uh, where RJ is RJ and five guys off the bench for a couple of minutes out there on the floor. That gives him the opportunity to be the man, you know, by himself, you know? Uh, so I think, you know, he's playing with a lot of confidence right now, stemming from what he did, you know, the second half of last season. And so now he's playing with a whole lot of confidence. I think the shot is looking good. It's looking tight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and and he, but most of all, he's shooting it with confidence. Yeah. So, Sim, I don't know if you're a betting man, but Vegas gave out their odds for for winning game for for games won this season for all NBA teams, and they have the Knicks at 38 and a half. How do you feel about that? You think they're going to go over, under? Obviously, you want to be optimistic, but what do you really think? I think they're going over that, right? I think the Knicks are going to at least be 500, but I think the Knicks are somewhere around 43 to 45 games this year. Mm. That's what I think. And is that enough for a playoff berth? Uh, I think it's enough for a play-in, and then they have to battle their way into the playoffs. You know what I mean? Now, if things really do go well for them, then maybe they can be a little bit better. You know, if if the, the chemistry really does click. And the good thing about the Knicks not trading for Donovan Mitchell is that they kept a lot of their chemistry together. If you look at this is the first time in, I don't know how long, that the Knicks have had a stable group of basketball players. Look how many players came in and out of Carmelo's career with the Knicks, right? This is the first time in a long time they've had a stable group. Mitch. Wow, these guys been here three years, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mitch, Randall, and RJ, this is their fourth year together. You know what I'm saying? Like, that grows. That builds. You got uh, Quickly and Obi. This is their third year together. Sims and Grimes. This is their second year together on this team. Uh, Fournier, their second, his second year on the team. And now you got Jalen Brunson and Hartenstein in there. This is a group that they, they've been together for a little bit. You know what I mean? So hopefully that chemistry and, you know, the way that they've learned to play with each other 
helps, you know, maybe gives him a few extra wins this season. You know what I mean? Because I think there's a lot to be said for chemistry on the court and understanding each other's nuances. And, you know, you get better season by season. RJ is going to continue to get better and take steps quickly. Obi, they're going to take steps, but they're taking steps together because they've been playing together. You know what I mean? So I think that uh, type of chemistry means a lot for a basketball team. And this, this is the longest that you've seen the Knicks have a stable group of basketball players, you know, without it being just a rotating door of guys. Continuity. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel like most Knicks fans from, like, that era of, like, Carmelo Anthony could name off so many random players like Courtney Lee. Like, you know, I, I remember at one point Langston Galloway was one of my favorite players. Right. Lou, was- Lou Amundsen. Lance yeah. Lou Amundsen. I mean, <laughs> yeah, all kinds of people, A little bit of a, cl- a clown car, clown show going on. But yeah, um, I was just wondering, so we, we were talking about your expectations for the season, but – like in terms of like the East getting a lot better, we have to compare ourselves with the other teams. What tier would you put the Knicks in compared to the other teams? Cause you know, there's obviously your like Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, those guys who are competing for a championship. And then I, in my personal opinion, there's like those teams, like the Hawks, you know, now the Cavs who are right there, you know, obviously trying to compete for a championship, but not necessarily there yet. Where would you right. put the Knicks uh, amongst those teams? I think the Knicks, Honestly speaking, I think they're a little bit below the Cavs and the Hawks and those guys right now until they prove it, until they prove that they're right there, you know, because the Hawks obviously got better adding DeJounte Murray, at least on paper, right? Got better adding uh, DeJounte Murray. We know what the Cavs just did. We'll see if that elevates them, you know, to being, in you know, top four team or something like that. But then you got Chicago who's dealing with injuries, Right. Um, who knows what's going to go on in Boston and how that coaching change is going to impact the team. You know, so that'll be something. I mean, they have a lot of talent, so they're going to be good. But, you know, it could impact the team, especially early. You know, so, you know, there, there could be some opportunities for the Knicks to slide in. You know what I mean? And, and you know, having to play in is great. Right. Because now. You know, you just get into that 10th seed. You might have a up, up an uh, uphill battle, but you have a chance, you know, to get in. But I think the Knicks are somewhere between that 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th seed in the Eastern Conference right now. You know what I mean? And, and that could fluctuate between teams and, and things. We'll see how injuries impact the team. I, I will say this, though. Last year, the Knicks were 37 and 45. I still believe if Derrick Rose played more than 25 games, the Knicks win 43, 44 games or something like that. Okay. Right? I, I truly believe that. Now you add Brunson to the team. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you, you X out Kemba Walker, just as, you know, assume same things happen with Kemba Walker. Now you add in a point guard to the starting unit and you got a guy like Rose still being able to come off your bench. If Rose can stay healthy and you got Jalen Brunson in that group and that unit can mesh. I mean, it could be really strong. I mean, there's not too many people in the league that's going to have Jalen Brunson as your starting point guard and then a Derek Rose who can still really perform, perform at a really high level coming off the bench. We haven't even mentioned Emmanuel quickly yet. Like, and then, and then yeah. Emmanuel quickly. I mean, our bench unit is going to be really strong this year. 
Yeah, we like to say around here that like everything had to go wrong last year to get the 37 wins. You know, it felt like the right. sky was falling, right? Yeah. Just a few <laughs> things go right last year. We could have been like one of those playing teams. So exactly. sometimes optimists get a bad rap. But I mean, to me, I'm just looking at it realistically, you know, yeah. to your point, Sam. Yeah. The Pelicans, they had a record similar to ours and they made the play in, they made a splash and, you know, yeah. they, they're classified as a young, exciting team. I don't see why the Knicks can't be right. in that category. Yeah. And, and, you know, you know, Nappy, what you just said is I, I never even thought about it that way. Like everything had to go wrong for the Knicks to win 37 games. Mm-hmm. Right. Everything had to go wrong for them. They they had a, that stretch. What? Three and 17. Yeah. That, oh, right? that was it that? Holy shit. Oh, yeah. It was like three and 17 <laughs> or something like that. I know we all like, turned our brains yeah. off, but it, it got oh real ugly. That was the yeah, most toxic was, time in the fan base. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was bad. And the, the, the bad thing is the Knicks were playing good basketball during that time. They just couldn't win. Catch yeah. Close right? losses. That's what it was. You say that again? They're they're all close losses. Yeah, exactly. Hard they were they the were worst, playing worst better the basketball time. than like the, the Knicks started off the season with, you know, 500 or maybe a couple of wins over 500. During that stretch, they were playing better basketball than <laughs> that time. It was unsustainable, they right. They couldn't win games. Just think if, you know, if you, you take those games where the Knicks had those 20-point leads. Oh, yeah. If they it's finish those now. games and win those games, <laughs> yeah. the Knicks have a winning record. Yep. Portland game, the Lakers game, the Nets oh, games. Oh, those are those are rough. Yeah, like Vietnam you know, flashback. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but see, and, and that's where I don't think Jalen Brunson lets the Knicks lose those games. You know, someone to defer to and like score at kind of at will at this point because before mm-hmm. it was like you're deferring to Randall to to get you buckets when you need it and his like as much as we lo- like I'm not gonna say we love Randall but you know as much as Randall's game is really impressive at certain points it's not something that's sustainable because it's a lot of tough shots his his shot diet is a lot of tough shots where brunson you're seeing him the way he operates is like a it's like a wizard in the paint like he'll he'll get open for the three or he'll he'll you know get he'll get himself comfortable at the three-point line but even he doesn't even need to do that he can get himself into the paint and just attack and that's what tibbs likes he likes those attacky stocky point guards that can you know get into the rim you know, yeah, that's how he you likes have to it. call him stocky it's, it's, it's the reality it's the reality of what it is you know? big boned <laughs> right the strong base <laughs> yeah yeah, you're making me excited for tomorrow night's game, man. Yeah. You're making now, me excited for tomorrow night's game. Yeah, to tip off in, in a week? No, yeah, oh, eight days. Week. The 19th is when the Knicks play against the Grizzlies for tip-off and then home game on the 21st. Ladies and gentlemen, if you like this episode, make sure you follow Sim, nothing but Knicks on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Sim, you got any special announcements or anything like that that you want to tell the people? I don't know if I have any special announcements right now. Uh, you know, we, we have our, um, opening night, um, you know, we do, we do an opening night party, I guess you want to call it, uh, every year at legends, you know, so those who bought tickets, uh, to, to join our group at the game will be there. You guys, of course, are invited to come join us. We'll be doing a live podcast right there. So we'll be doing it before the game. Then after the game, uh, we'll be doing it, uh, post-game show you know, right there at Legends. And it's, uh, you know, it it's, it's pretty nice. dope atmosphere, man. Mm-hmm. You know, really, really nice, pretty dope atmosphere. Uh, we are doing some work um, with the Westchester Knicks a little bit. Mm, nice. 
Yep. You know, um, you know, where hopefully we'll we'll get a chance to uh, we'll be, you know, attending some games and maybe we'll get a chance to like do a podcast from the state, uh, you know, the arena while they're playing and stuff like that. So we'll see how that works out. But that's something that we're discussing with them right now. Yeah. So, you know, that, you know, that's something that we're working on. That's awesome, man. You built a you built a community just with nothing but Knicks. There's so many other, you know, fellow podcasters, content creators that came up after learning from you, you know, Legion and, you know, uh, a bunch of guys I'm, I'm you know, shout out to Knicks fans, Steph, Iru, cool, all uh, killing Julio, it, all doing their thing. All these yeah. guys, man, they, they're killing it in the game right yep. now. They all, it all stems from you, man. I appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. Hey, hey, don't listen. You guys are doing work too, man. Don't, don't even, <laughs> I seen crying. somebody I'm crying. <laughs> Huh? You guys are working. working. (laughs) I mean, you guys are working. I see people with Nickish hoodies and t-shirts on and stuff. Yeah, man, you guys are working. Appreciate it, man. Um, We got, we got to send you a crew neck too, man. We're releasing that next week. We got your name on the list. We're going to send you one just for you, man. Thank Um, thank you. I appreciate that, man. I hope you guys can make it down to legends, man. It'd be, it'd be great. If you guys can make it down. I don't know. What are your plans for opening night? Uh, we'll be in attendance, I think, right? Opening night. We're, we're there. We're, we're going to be at the home opener. At the home, oh, yeah. I home, mean, yeah, home opener. Home opener. Home opener. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be there. I think we have, so a lot of people cop, you know, Nickish stuff, so we're going to be occupied with that. We'll see. You said Legends, right? At Legends. Yeah, the home opener right. at Legends. It's right down the street from the garden. Mm, All right. Okay. I think I think we will, I think we might be able to make it after the, after the game. Yeah, okay. Think, yeah, that'd be yeah. great, man. Love yeah. to have you guys come through. That'd be dope. Her. All right. We appreciate you guys checking out this episode of Nickish. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nickish NYC. Follow us on Spotify, subscribe, Apple, and all that. And make sure you follow Sim on Nothing But Nick. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. Follow him on Instagram. Follow him on Twitter and all that, man. Sim, much respect to you. We appreciate, appreciate you coming it, on as the first guest of the month for Nickish. And, you know, we'd love to have you back again. And, of course, uh, your YouTube channel, live post game every night is awesome. Uh, we're really looking forward forward to seeing it, especially you know for the next week once the season gets going. So yeah, thank you for all that you do. All right. Peace. 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 Peace.